Close the Curtain podcast is an audio platform created to educate, entertain, and inspire women to live their best lives while they close the curtain on things that no longer serve them. We bond over wine or the drink of your choice while sharing many laughs, loves, and sometimes even tears. While this show features our opinions, it should not take the place of you seeking professional healthcare advice. Please buckle up and enjoy the show. I fly United, I fly first class. I make them close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering going back and close. It's so hot, we can't breathe. Please close the curtain, I can't take it. I only have one of them great. I can't help them all, please. Please, please close the curtain. Yeah, I'm for sure, for certain. Some topics be making us way too uncomfortable. Queasy stomachs hurting. We do not deal with negative energy, vibes, and negative person. Tell the story, this hurry up urgent. I needed to close the curtain. I'm Shalana. Don't let the sweet voice and the stethoscope fool you. Because I can tell it like it I is. Hey y'all, I'm Caroline, a Midwestern girl with a Southern flair. I will open and bless your heart in the same breath. After turning 30, there's two places I strongly belong. In a bed and in a book. Sometimes both. Nalita. I fly at night and I fly first class. Close that curtain because I don't like all that suffering go back and close. Hey, 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 it's your girl Nalita back with Shalana and Caroline for another episode of Close the Curtain Podcast. And you guys, we want to start it right off as Florida is one of our co-host Shalana's home state, and she grew up in Fort Myers, correct, Shalana? Yep, born and, and raised. Yes, <laughs> and that is one of the main targets of Hurricane Ian, and apparently the national database is ruling it right now as the deadliest hurricane since 1935, with more and more victims being found either drowned or suffering and the whole state is trying to gather even the U.S. is trying to gather behind and just send them supplies and resources and the help that they need so we really wanted to mention that our thoughts and our prayers are with our fellow Floridians through this trying time you guys have anything you want to say since Shalona I know you have a lot more you could impart maybe being that you have family yeah. in Fort Myers? Yeah, I just want to say that the community where I came from is a very strong knit community. And even though this was a catastrophic hurricane and it did a lot of damage, I know this is going to make them even greater. They will rebuild from this and probably be an even better city. And I just want to encourage those in Fort Myers to really persevere and press through this because things happen for 
reasons we don't know why, but I think that a lot of good will come from this, you know, eventually. My family is, is doing well. They had a lot of damage to their homes, but they had their lives and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that as well. Yeah, I agree. I was actually in Fort Myers for my birthday and a wedding that happened to be on my birthday, but we were there the weekend before the storm hit. And, you know, thankfully we were able to get home and my parents were able to get home, but it was just devastating. And like looking at all those pictures and the aftermath of the storm, you know, it really broke my heart. And just watching my family members have to, or our family members, I should say, just begin to put the pieces back together of their homes and their lives if I could put on a superhero cape and just whip it all back together, I would, I would literally do anything I could to help. But, you know, as Shalana said, I'm very thankful that everyone in our family has been accounted for and they're safe. And I continue to pray for all of them and connect with the right partners to send money and send resources as often as I can. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to bring up is the Sanibel Bridge. Sanibel is very historic and very instrumental to our family. And when I saw that the bridge had collapsed, that really broke my heart in pieces because that's basically how we get to and from our quote unquote, so to speak, motherland, because that's where my Mm -hmm. family got its roots from. But one thing I do want to say is that we need a new governor ASAP because he is talking about patching up the bridge instead of knocking the bridge down totally and building a new one. I think patching the bridge up is very dangerous because Mm -hmm. I feel like when you are building something, one piece goes with the next. And when you destroy a certain part of that construction, it kind of interferes with the rest of it. So I feel like you can't patch that bridge up. So I'm really praying that they change that decision because I think that's going to cause even more issues if they Mm -hmm. just patch it up. I'm very nervous about that. Me too, because I tell you what, I will row a boat across that water before I carry my black behind over that bridge Mm -hmm. if he just patches it up. And second of all, I'm going to need someone who doesn't work in construction to not make decisions about what to do with that bridge. I need you to go sit down in your governor's mansion and keep snitching on Trump. That's what I need you to do. I don't need you to make decisions about this bridge that's going to get us back to our Mm -hmm. home. Yeah. I'm so sick of him. Yeah, I'm sick of him for Mm y'all. I am too. So clearly. I I, I pray that someone is able to step in and help them make a better decision because patching it up, that bridge is basically demolished (laughs) they just need Mm -hmm. to build a new one as jesus said in the bible you can't put new wine and old wine skins and the vice versa Mm -hmm. you can't put old wine and new wine skins it's gonna burst Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing about this bridge you can't connect all the old parts to a new part it's not going to Mm -hmm. work effectively so our thoughts and our prayers are truly with you guys as you embark on this new journey and hopefully is one of great healing and recovery thank you Nalita Uh, pastor Nalita because you just gave (laughs) us a whole word okay and I hope some of y'all listening I hope y'all caught that (laughs) 
Moving right along, Megan the Stallion has launched a mental health resource website for the hotties. And the article goes on to say she's at it again. But this time, the Grammy Award winning Femsy is using her gigantic platform to champion mental health wellness. Normally, I wouldn't do this, but I got to read out what the title of the website is. It's called Bad Bitches Have Bad Days Too. <laughs> and it offers many, many, many mental health resources to fans and needs. You don't have to be a bad bee just to come and use the slew of resources that are geared towards substance abuse and mental health administration. And it caters not only to the Black community, but also the LGBTQ community, where they have lots of psychotherapists of color, therapy for Black girls, Strong Hearts, Native Helpline, lots of different agencies that are also in collaboration with Meg to create something that reaches out to the community that still finds a lack in service when we're talking about mental health. And I know that you both are big on people using their platform for good. So what y'all got to say about how Meg is using her platform? I love this for her. I wish I could share. I might just share it at my job because who they going to call? They going to call me on me. I'm real tempted to share this with my employees at work. (laughs) It's a very helpful resource. And I love how inclusive it is as well. It's just one page on a website full of helpful resources on your mental health journey. And I just, once again, I applaud Megan because this was, this is incredible. It's what we need. And I'm so thankful for her using her platform for something good like this. Yeah. Like you, Caroline, I like the fact that Megan the Stallion the stallion (laughs) is using her platform to keep the awareness about mental health going in our society with all the attention that mental health is getting i still feel like there's still a little bit of a stigma that's attached to it and i think that these type of endeavors will help people who need mental health services feel more at ease with getting the help And because it kind of normalizes illnesses that have stigmas, when you see celebrities with big platforms, just bringing awareness to it. So I congratulate her and I hope that she's able to really reach a lot of people who need the help. Yeah. And shout out to her being so transparent, even on, I don't Mm. know if y'all listen to her new album, but she's kind of referencing like her own challenges with anxiety and mental health and even using her music to kind of spread that message and awareness just reminds people that celebrities go through this too. It's not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you or anything like that. And I just, I love her for being so vulnerable, honestly, because she's caught a lot of heat over the last couple of years for various reasons, like what that little man Tory Lanes and like all this other stuff but you know being able to still take that trauma and just be vulnerable enough and selfless enough to want to help other people through their anxiety and their mental health challenges is definitely something to be recognized for sure that's exactly what I was going to say and leading off to talking about transparency y'all girl has been real transparent in her ignorance lately young Miami (laughs) it says she hilariously doubles down on black Oprah aspiration after Twitter trolled her 
So if you didn't know, after her hit show, Carisha Please, she said she isn't phased by people mocking how she expresses herself. And in a recent interview, she made a quip about becoming the next Black Oprah, which sparked some negative comments online. However, she's doubling down in her tweets to remind everyone that she said what she said. And in her tweet, it said, the next, open parentheses, open, 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 Black, close parentheses, close, 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 Oprah. Like, Oprah <laughs> has been whitewashed or something. I'm not sure what's going on with Carisha, mm-hmm. but what y'all got to say? She acting like wrong <laughs> because how are you going to be the first black version of someone who is already black? <laughs> just loud and wrong, first of all. And I just want to say this, and I'm it's gonna be short and sweet. She will never be Oprah ever. <laughs> she could probably be Oprah spelled backwards, but um, no. But sis, congratulations on your number one spot on Apple, though. You didn't call this woman Harpo. <laughs> Go get off the show. Go get off the show. You're done. <laughs> you are done. <laughs> oh my! That's God. what she can I... be. <laughs> well that's a wrap thanks for listening guys it's been good (laughs) we're done (laughs) but like i mean who am i to stomp on her dreams if she wants to aspire to be listen we need more oprahs in the world because oprah stay doing the good work of the lord who am i to rent on her aspirational parade i mean Uh, but what is she saying who is the next white oprah like i could understand if she was like i'm gonna be the next Oprah she said I'm going to be the next black Oprah it so was- who's the white Oprah right like who is the that's what I want to know oh, who is Oprah for white people it ain't Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> now no there clue. were she some evil. well Oprah has been criticized in the past for not being black enough her and Gail so that's where I thought she was coming from when I initially saw this post but mm-mm no she will never be oprah black white yellow red <laughs> polka she dot. will never be oprah polka dot stripes. <laughs> okay but like now i'm really thinking like who would be oprah but for white people yeah ellen pompeo um, i think ellen degeneres she is mean ellen- i heard i heard she was evil to them people on her show like a mean girl but she to me I think her ratings were right there right along with Oprah and just like Oprah she kind of franchised her business she had her Ellen DeGeneres show and she had the kids say the the darnest things I think that was her show or something like that and so at one point she had her own television show and she's a comic like she does a lot of different things and I actually enjoyed watching her show so I think that she could be the white Oprah for them and she used to give away a lot of gifts like Oprah and bring people onto the show a lot of money or, and bring yeah. people onto the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I mean verse in it whatever she was trying to do it really reminds me of now Shalon I know you watch Abbott I don't know if you watch Abbott Caroline but on the mm-hmm. last episode two episodes ago now 
<laughs> they had this teacher and she always confuses the white actors and actresses and musicians or whatever. She always calls these black children like, oh girl, you sing it. You're going to be the next Carrie, what she say, Carrie Underwood. And she's talking about Carrie Washington. Or when she was like, mm-hmm, you go Millie Bobby Brown, but she's really talking about Bobby Brown. And that's how Carisha had me thinking when she said the next Black Oprah. Is she confused on who Oprah is? Like, I don't know, I don't understand. But whatever either the case she's confused is, or she's like other people who thought maybe she wasn't black enough or for the culture that's i mean that's the only other thing i can think of well what how what what is enough black that's what i'm saying because if you saw her play Mm -hmm. in the color purple and any of these other things that she has done like who would be questioning it i'm I'm trying to figure out who determined Mm -hmm. because our aunties didn't say that but the aunties are Mm -hmm. probably questioning carisha right now (laughs) but Oprah and Gail said don't call them aunties they don't like that and that's probably why people think they're not black enough because <laughs> they showed us their past auntie age like don't play <laughs> <laughs> speaking of not being be black enough auntie not right speaking about not being black enough I know that y'all saw yay or whatever he calling himself these days and candace owens as they wore their matching white lives shirts at his yeezy show and whereas they had it on the back of their shirts every model inside the place had either a white lives matter or an all lives matter shirt on to look at his brand and i am not surprised at this at all like I'm not surprised that Candace was standing beside him with the shirt on. I'm not surprised that they (laughs) supporting this nonsense. And I'm just, I guess, excited that the Black Lives Matter movement have, have not taken such great offense as you would think they would when someone says that their intention is to kill the Black Lives movement. But Black Lives Matter says that this is a teachable moment. Political education is the core of what they do. And while some may see Kanye and Candace's stunt as a distraction, they say that they recognize that it harms thousands of families fighting for justice for their loved ones killed by state-sanctioned violence. It, mm-hmm. What Kanye and Candace are doing is spreading toxic confusion and being used to legitimize violent assaults on Black people. And that battling misinformation while continuing to do the hard work that liberation requires is nothing new to them. So they seem like they're up to the challenge of going against Yay. But I'm just, I'm sick of seeing him. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm tired of seeing him still do this same stuff. And I just, I want him to get the help that he needs, like to actually get some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's time for us to stop blaming this on his mother passing away. Like, oh, Kanye ain't been the same since his mama died, or he's still grieving. No, this is deliberate behavior, and he needs to go to therapy. I'm tired of talking about Kanye. <laughs> I'm so tired of talking about him, and I wish that we would stop giving him 
the reaction that he's looking for and just like amplifying his platform to do stuff like this. He's like, yeah. you know how sometimes you got to let a toddler just have that temper tantrum and ignore them and then they stop. I feel like that's what we need to do with Kanye at this point. Like just let him do these shenanigans, ignore him, and then maybe he'll go away and be quiet because that's what we need. We need him to be quiet. Yeah, it's definitely giving publicity stunt and it's also mental illness on top of that I don't think that he is grieving I think that his mom's death was a trigger to whatever illness he has and he's not getting the proper help because he doesn't have the right people in his camp but then again if he had the right people in his camp it's really difficult to push someone or force someone to get the help that they need if they're not a threat to themselves or other people. So it, it becomes very difficult to get other people involved if the person doesn't want to actually volunteer to get the help. But what I really need is for somebody from the Black delegation to come and get Kanye, Candace Owens, and Herschel Walker, because I'm getting sick of him too, Child. they need to be all saved from the sunken place because that's exactly where they are they need to get out of the sunken place can somebody wrangle because up Stacey Dash too and Stacey Dash I'm sick of all of them like it's called self-hate is what it is that's mm -hmm. what I think it is it has to be self-hate because and don't get me wrong, I feel like all lives matter, but when you put on those shirts and you are a Black individual, you are making a mockery of the movement, the people who worked hard to put on that Black Lives Matter movement. And it's just terrible to me. It's terrible. Exactly. And we're not disagreeing with the fact that we're not saying that white lives do not matter because essentially yes all lives are important but when we live in a society where black lives do not matter it is like a slap in the face but I don't know if it's time for the delegation to sit them all down like I'm, I'm tired of trying to save them I'm tired of having the conversation about trying to save them like let them be law let them stay in that sunken place because I don't know if there's any redemption maybe Stacey Dash can be saved I remember last week after we lost the great Coolio somebody said go check on Stacey and make sure she knows so that she's not tweeting about this a year from now but I just I don't know I'm tired of trying to save Kanye so if the delegation has a meeting I will kindly sit this one out but what I will see is Boosie sitting down with Kanye to have a conversation now that. I will tune into that's what he needs in his camp is Boosie because <laughs> did y'all see Kanye go off on Boosie I think Boosie was just trying to you know reach out and help him like we've all been trying to do and <laughs> Kanye went clear off on this man <laughs> in true Boosie form you would think he was getting pulled over <laughs> <laughs> he don't want none of Boosie he don't mm -hmm. want none he don't because <laughs> like someone said them baton rouge boys built different <laughs> <laughs> exactly Until illness or not he will lay your ass out <laughs> okay. he said this be off okay. and put it on live told you. <laughs> exactly Ooh. but kanye ain't have to call him a little nerd ass either though <laughs> I'm glad he took the post down because he made other references that were quite insensitive and inappropriate, but mm -hmm. <laughs> nerd ass took me out. 
Oh my goodness. I'm gonna use that insult. <laughs> See mm-hmm. where it get me. <laughs> yeah, girl, you know we okay. always girl, you know we always showing out using insults that be seeming like on the surface they ain't that bad, but <laughs> when you analyze them, just take this baby's letter to his teacher from the group chat. His mom shared the letter to Facebook talking about where did she go wrong? And this baby said, Dear Miss Jones, I am angry of you because you took 25 of my hummingbird books all because I was talking to Connor. That's no big deal. I'm only six. I can't be quiet, Q-Y-E-T, all the time. And that makes you a thief and and crook and you are going to hell real hell the burning one because you a thief i worked hard for those books and my only prayer in chapel today was that god gets you to hell fast super fast and your new haircut is bad real bad Isaiah, this baby signed his name to the bottom of this letter. And I just got to say, his form <laughs> is impeccable. He knows what the letter is supposed to look like. <laughs> Let me ask y'all, before we give our comments on that, what race do y'all think Isaiah is? Based on oh. that letter and what he was saying. <laughs> uh, can I say the N-word? He is a, he ain't even black. He is a pure N-word because... <laughs> okay. <laughs> This sounds like somebody's grandmother sitting in her rocking chair on the front yeah. porch drinking some sweet tea. Time that some. Oh, he going to hell, the real hell, the, the burning, burning one. Because you burning hell, thief. the burning mm-hmm. one. Not not hell. You going to hell, hell. Right, you ain't going to the bad your, place. You going to hell. And your hair don't look bad. It look real bad. Real bad. <laughs> Like, come on, Carisha, reference. (laughs) Now that baby told her she going to hell super fast. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So do y'all think the teacher was black or white or another race? Oh, you know that teacher was white. Because ain't no way you talk to a black teacher like that. I'm telling you. Uh -uh. you. I just don't think a black teacher might have them hummingbird books. Hummingbird books? You know, you know. We might well, call you know, them some each class. They have like incentives for them to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll get a star or they'll get hummingbird bumps. Like one of my friends is a teacher and she does that with her students where she gives them play play money and they collect it for good behavior. And then at the end of the year, she buys all these nice toys and they have to have a certain amount of bucks to actually buy it. And mm-hmm. so when you are good, you get extra bucks. And when you're bad, you get them taken away. And so I think that's what this hummingbird bucks were. And and your boy was not having it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted to keep all of his bucks. Because he got he 25 said. took away. I just want to know how, <laughs> what was he doing? Like just talking. That wasn't the first time infraction. <laughs> to lose 25 of them boys. I tell you what, it, is your teacher friend black? I bet ain't nobody in her <laughs> class writing her letter. Like this is folded up on a greeting card. I know y'all can't see the picture over the podcast. This is a folded up greeting card. Like this was so intentional. <laughs> he was so mad. <laughs> Caught her a thief and a crook. 
First of all, I want to see what the front of the car is saying. Like, does it say, you know, super teacher? Or does it say, I'm sorry for the, your loss? Or <laughs> oh my God. Car. <laughs> it's to open it up and see oh. Listen, I wanted to see the teacher's face as she read this. I don't know if I would have been able to keep a straight face reading mm-hmm. this. If, if my student, who was six years old, because I think he was probably six or seven when he wrote that. Mm-hmm. If my student came and gave me a little, like that, I don't think I've been able to read it with a straight face. I'm sorry. I've been so tickled. I would have been so tickled. In chapel. See, that's, that's the bad thing. He said, my only prayer in chapel today <laughs> was that God gets you to hell fast. Super fast. Super fast. And he's How a you? Christian school or Catholic school one. <laughs> and then he spelled chapel like Chipotle. And How you go to church to send somebody to hell? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Over fake money. <laughs> but it makes you real loot, okay? <laughs> gosh, this sweet, sweet baby. I can already tell that he's a 10. <laughs> and in his next game, Caroline is going to read us these characteristics of men and we'll decide if they are still a 10 or not. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so good. I've been waiting for this all week. You hear me? Okay. So we're going to start off real easy. He's a 10, but he has a really bad body odor. I mean, but like a 10, like dress is nice. He's fine. Nice car, nice job. Rich a little bit, but he smells bad. Yeah, all the way down to about a one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> He a smooth five, and this this out of there. And a scale down to one and a half. I can't take that breath. Or body odor. Body odor. Sorry. Breath, it's body odor. It's a deal Didn't breaker. Gonna... Ain't no way. <laughs> it's a one for me. Just thinking. <laughs> I'm with you, cousin. I'm with you. Oh God. Nalita's in shambles. <laughs> okay all right he's an eight but he makes you split every single bill when y'all go out valet dinner like everything that's a two mm-hmm. scale down to a one <laughs> I, probably zero if i could get a zero i would do a zero Ellis, i hope y'all Cause, listening because that means you broke <laughs> That's giving that you done cracked my $150 wine glass energy. Uh uh, it's giving up. <laughs> you, you took my 20. <laughs> and I hope you go to hell, real hell. That's what it's giving. Yes. That's what it's giving. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. He's a two. Probably the same man. He's a two, but he drives a Lamborghini. Y'all getting in the car? No. So he's a Why two, is like he a two? He he's might a be a little rough in the face. He, he looks like a two, but he drives a Lambo. Are y'all getting in the car? No. No. <laughs> y'all not. He look like a two in the face. You know what? I might go for a spin. <laughs> but. <laughs> so that bumped him up to at least but, a six. But that's, 
but that's all we going to, and now it ain't gonna bump it to a six it'll bump it to a one and a half <laughs> yeah dude that decreased them <laughs> she done knocked it down a half a notch jesus okay oh it's hard out here for these men okay he's a seven but he only uses snapchat as a form of communication that's a two <laughs> straight straight one <laughs> Okay. Because first of all, all right, you probably you probably don't own an iPhone. You he probably, probably married. He only used Snapchat. And he probably married. Yeah, straight up one. I'll give him a zero if I could. <laughs> all right. Well, he's a ten, but he got an Android. I'll just play it. I'll just. Play it. <laughs> I'll just play it because my husband has an Android and he is a perfect ten for me. Uh, <laughs> but okay, he's a ten. But he only posts you on his close friends on Instagram. He is five. <laughs> I mean, some people are just secretive because I've been in full-fledged relationships and never posted them a day on social media. So he oh. could stay a 10 because at least just, he's posting. Just posting to your close friends is like having only Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I would still consider him a 10. Maybe he's, you know, yeah. private. Because that's how I am. I'm private. You know, guys that I've dated, I've never posted them on Facebook. Ever. And, and I never changed my status. So, I used to no. be like that. Well, what's Kyle say? Mm-hmm. Um, Taraji Henson. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she said that she don't even claim anybody unless she got a ring on her finger. So I understand exactly. that. And that's why I've never posted anybody or changed my status on social media because I have never had a ring. Well, I've had a ring on this finger, but I've never said I do to anybody. So <laughs> keep a living. Wait till you get married because you're going to my husband us to death all over the timeline. I sure will. Mm-hmm. So just wait. Yes. Just I wait. guess that man could be an eight because show don't never post nothing. He don't even tag nothing. He don't post nothing but this nasty food. <laughs> he does. He <laughs> does. <laughs> All right. Okay. He's he's a four, but he gets you to glory every single time with no misses. You y'all know what I mean. Girl ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you won't you hey, won't get daddy. his Lambo. Hey, <laughs> Oh, that was a two. That was a two who had the limbo. We said a four. I make him understand. He a seven and a half. Ten, cause it matters, honey. It does matter. And and same difference if he's a ten and he don't and he can't take me to glory, then he gonna scale down to a one. I was just trying to say you ain't gonna even stop at four. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Shalada has no in between. He has no in between okay he's, he's a, a 10, a 10. <laughs> he's a 10 but he's a virgin okay that means you can be a 10 10 and right. a half 10, i can i'll deal with a virgin yeah okay because <laughs> like nalina said you can teach them they generally pretty teachable touched. yeah so mm-hmm. okay that carolina face <laughs> <laughs> What he they make on the him scale no more. A negative three. He ain't even on the <laughs> scale no more. Jesus, I ain't got nothing for him. 
please. You know those people that be out there bad and then don't let them be well and down. They think that you, there's nothing that you can teach them in the book. All they got to do is just wield it. Baby, you better get some of them hummingbird books and, and buy you somebody to teach you <laughs> what to do because I ain't got nothing for you. Okay, last one. <laughs> He's a 10, but he randomly freestyles when you're alone together. <laughs> mm, probably about an eight. That's not too bad. Just random, uh-uh. not all the time. Uh-uh. like y- y'all just be in the car and the beat drive so y'all just in the house eating dinner and he just just bust out an eight bar i don't know if i can deal with that <laughs> um <laughs> just random quirks shalana <laughs> hell no <laughs> i'm scaling you down somebody <laughs> <laughs> Because we in here trying to have intelligent conversations or we trying to have people talking, you finna start rapping like you big ear Tupac or something? Nah. <laughs> See, I, nah. the awkward black girl in me is like, he's still a 10 because I'm gonna start freestyling with you. I'm gonna be your backup. I'm gonna be your hype man. Because <laughs> I ain't got no sense. <laughs> but in my uh, head, I'm thinking, when you asked the question, I was thinking like randomly off the wall start freestyling like he'll be mm-hmm. in the kitchen and pour him a couple orange shoes and then start freestyling about mm-hmm. a couple orange shoes like i don't know if i can take that orange juice no pulp i'm incredible hulk i go up in that girl good like just random freestyle <laughs> just, <laughs> just bars not the girl good <laughs> nah okay so maybe i'm the one who randomly freestyles around how can you ask my husband maybe it's you (laughs) right like babe i'm a 10 but with my random freestyles am i still a 10 (laughs) come here jay come here okay one last one one last this is fine he's an eight but he eats his wings with both of his pinkies out (laughs) he's a four yeah, I'm scaling you down, bro. It's about a five, five or four, because the pinky Why? thing, I can't get with it. I told y'all somebody tried to talk to me and they had their pinky up. When they, they were drinking. Drink. I, yeah, that really got to me. Let me eat this wing. <laughs> it's given the wrong sorority. I'll just play right, it. I'll just play it. sorority and bouginess when there's no need to be bougie, eat a chicken wing. Oh my goodness. That was fun. I love y'all so much. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. Let's move on. This next portion of our episode is called Make a Toast or Put a Cork in It, where we talk about things happening in the news, and then we decide if we're going to celebrate and make a toast or if we're going to put a cork in it because it's a no for us. And before we get started, I always want to know, what are y'all drinking or scooping (laughs) in this case? Girl, I made these jello shots with some their strawberry with the red berry syrup, courtesy of my friend. And they're good. I just don't know if three capfuls was enough. So anyone out there listening, you tell me the appropriate ratio vodka to jello and water. That reminds me of that old video with that white woman when she was talking about two shots of vodka and poured the whole bottle in that punch. <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I'm drinking Sutter Home 
pink Moscato tonight and it's very refreshing and it's definitely giving me a buzz. Yeah, clearly we're all on one tonight. I have Jack Daniels honey and lemonade for the evening and um, yep, that's why this episode is going to be explicit. Let's jump into this first story. USC, University of Southern California, is doing it for the culture-ish. So a young Black woman student at the University of Southern California made national headlines last week when the dance group that she helped co-fund went viral after their first performance during a football game. The video was posted to her Twitter account and it went viral and it was met with like mixed reactions. So while there were a lot of people who praised her efforts to bring and celebrate Blackness to a predominantly white space, there were others who criticized the dance troupe who happened to be all Black and followed a Black majorette style of dance. Some even went so far as to say she was stealing Black culture, which I don't know how she could do because she's Black. So if y'all know how she did that, let me know. We can talk about it on the show. But... <laughs> They're called the Cardinal Divas, and they're a majorette dance squad similar to what you see at many of our HBCUs. It's like a spirit squad, part dance troupe, but they're always just, they're amazing dancers, amazing performers, and they do a style of dance called J-setting, which was really popularized by the J-set dancers at Jackson State University and HBCU in Mississippi. So the group is receiving a lot of pushback especially from those who attended HBCUs, saying that with a 6% Black student population at USC, that is not the place for this majorette team. And this also brought up the same debate about like PWIs, a predominantly white institution, versus HBCUs, historically Black colleges and universities. And that always brings up like a specific form of gatekeeping that's really troubling for us as Black people. So those who think that the dance group has no place at USC believes that if this young woman or if these dancers, if they wanted the majorette experience, they should have just went to an HBCU. But I think that's really just oversimplifying the issue. So Shalani, you attended an HBCU. Nalita, you did too. Does HBCU style majorette dance does it belong at a PWI, even if it's an all-Black team? Like, what do y'all think? Girl, I'm so unbothered by this. <laughs> I enjoy watching them dance. They are all-Black. It's no way she could be stealing from the culture because she is the legacy of the culture. Like, in a lot of places, we, Black people, are going to find themselves underrepresented and we have to forge a, a space for ourselves. And this to me was her doing just that and finding the outlet that we have like under so much pressure going to a school where we feel like sometimes we don't belong. Just making our way in it, having fun, embracing ourselves our culture in that white space, I think that is liberating. And I can't help but say the band also sounded pretty good to, to the dancing. So, I mean, that's all I can say. I am so proud of you, girl. Princess, keep doing what you're doing for the culture, no matter if the culture gives you pushback. The culture wouldn't even teach me how to play space, so I'm a little salty at them anyway. And won't. 
That's all right. We're gonna have a special. I'm they Instagram. haven't taught me either, Nalita. Okay, so let's do an Instagram live, and I'm gonna teach you how to play spades. We'll do it on Instagram. Okay. Bet. All right. All right. Bet. I still won't learn, but bet. But, I think see. that's a good idea. I'm gonna take your your hummingbird bucks away. Right. <laughs> Oh, so my take on this is I'm quirking her now, psych. I'm playing. Um, <laughs> look at your face. Y'all got nervous. <laughs> I'm actually toasting her because although we celebrate our HBCU institutions, we've have really glamorized them as we should lately in, in social media and everything. And as a culture, when we usually think of college and universities, the first thing that comes to our mind is our beloved HBCUs. And we tend to think that every Black person should end up at an HBCU, but we cannot forget that some of us really do attend PWIs. And I think the argument that some people were making is that she should have gone to a HBCU if she wanted the Black experience. Well, some of us attend PWIs for a variety of reasons, like scholarship opportunities, distance from home, as there is not an HBCU in every state. So some people do not want to travel out of state just to attend an HBCU. They want to stay close to family. So a PWI might be the closest institution to home and programs of study. I remember when I was looking for nursing schools, I realized that not a lot of HBCUs offered nursing. I wanted to go to Spelman real bad, but Spelman is a liberal arts college and they did not offer nursing. They offer biology, but not nursing. So there are so many reasons why we all end up at PWIs in the first place, but let's not forget that Black culture can be taken anywhere we end up rather it's at a PWI, on our jobs, where we live, anywhere. And I feel like people who were telling this young lady that she should not have brought this culture to USC need to really take a step back and think about the fact that Black women are fighting daily to belong in society, even though you know we belong here, even though we have done a lot to build up society and although society is on our shoulders <laughs> so I am toasting this young lady for beating the odds because I'm sure she had a, a lot of backlash even on her campus for trying to do something like this and I'm toasting her for sprinkling a little black girl magic on USC's campus <laughs> yes I'm giving her all of the hummingbird books because as someone who went to a PWI twice honestly a hbcu just wasn't realistic for me i got accepted to spelman and they're a private college and didn't give me any scholarships but a pwi did i got accepted to howard and they were not offering enough scholarship money to where the school would be affordable for me but my pwi did and i would rather a black woman create a space for other black women at a PWI versus some colonizer. Like, listen, either she was gonna do it or some no rhythm dancing on the yep. one three white women were gonna do it. And I would much rather mm -hmm. it be us and protect that style of dance. Mm -hmm. And if she didn't do it at a PWI, somebody else would. And I'm glad that 
she was able to create another safe space for Black women because at the two PWIs I went to, Notre Dame and Georgia State, in the beginning, all we had, especially at Notre Dame, Georgia State was a little bit better. And I think it's because we were in the South, but we had Black Student Union, the Gospel Choir, which wasn't Black only, but it just happened to be all the Black students. And like one other program that was just for us. And it, it wasn't enough. Like that's just not enough for, you know, a university experience. And so I'm glad that she's able to create a safe space for Black people through dance. And like, have y'all seen them? Like they have true talent. And, you know, for people saying that, well, she should have just went to a HBCU, like Shalana said, sometimes it's not that easy to just go to one. I wish I did. I wanted to. But it just wasn't a reality for me, you know, 10 or 15, not to age myself, but about 10-ish years ago. It just wasn't my reality and I'm okay with that. But that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate parts of HBCU tradition or parts of things that are sacred to HBCUs or popular HBCUs. That doesn't mean I can't appreciate it just because I went to a PWI. It doesn't make me less Black. And I feel like that was like kind of the place that they were trying to push Princess Lane into by criticizing her for this. So I'm toasting her. I'm going to crack open a brand new bottle and toast her because she deserves all the praise and I'm here for it. In our next story, I don't know if this is going to get a toast all around. We'll see. Y'all, we have been begging for a Rihanna album for years. She's been playing in this makeup for far too long. We need an album. But I guess the next best thing is a Super Bowl halftime performance. However, Blue Ivy's internet is asking if Rihanna is a sellout. So the other day, Rihanna almost broke the internet when it was revealed that she would be performing at the upcoming halftime show during the 2023 Super Bowl. While the Navy was rejoicing and hoping that this meant an album was coming, some were also giving Riri the side eye. She was deemed a hypocrite on social media because a few years ago, if y'all remember, she rejected a halftime show to stand in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. And if y'all remember, Colin Kaepernick was a player, a football player for the San Francisco 49ers who consistently every week took a knee during the national anthem to raise awareness and protest against police brutality and inequality for Black people. That being said, Colin Kaepernick was basically blackballed from the NFL. He caught so much slack from conservatives. And to stand in solidarity with him, Rihanna was asked to perform at the Super Bowl in 2019 and she said, no, they really wanted her to perform. It was going to be here in Atlanta. But she said, no, because of the kneeling controversy and the way the NFL handled it, she did not agree with their stance. And she was even quoted in U.S. Magazine saying, you know, I couldn't dare do that. For what? Who gains from that? Not my people. I just couldn't be a sellout. I couldn't be an enabler. There are things within the NFL organization that I don't agree with at all. And I was not about to go and be of service to them in any way. Well, that was 2019. Fast forward to 2022. I don't know if she needs bail money for ASAP or what, but now she is performing. It's been confirmed by her team and on her Instagram that she will be performing at the 2023 Super Bowl. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that so now she's okay doing the Super Bowl. But back when Trump was president, she was one of the loudest voices against it. You see how ridiculous the hatred for Trump is. She's such a hypocrite. Now, you know, that wasn't one of us. 
saying that. But a lot of other people, even a lot of Black people are saying that she's selling us out by agreeing to perform this year when the NFL is still making shady decisions, especially when it comes to Black players. So was this taken out of context or do you think she's wrong for deciding to do the Super Bowl this year? So apparently Kaepernick himself has been trying to get back to the NFL Mm -hmm. after he was protesting very loudly. So if Rihanna is a hypocrite, then Kaepernick is one. And everyone else who boycotted the NFL back then for a short period of time and started back watching it, everybody is a hypocrite. Another thing that I want to point out is hypocrisy is when you tell others to do one thing and then you turn around and do the opposite. When Rihanna boycotted the NFL, it was a choice she made at that point in time to support Kaepernick and the movement at that time. It was how she herself wanted to contribute to change. She didn't tell other artists that they needed to boycott. She didn't go on a tour condemning the NFL. She just politely told them no when they asked her to be on the Super Bowl. She just didn't want to perform that year. And we don't know why she has decided to take them up on the offer. Like you said, Caroline, maybe she needs to bail somebody out of jail or they got a new baby. Maybe she has another mouth to feed. <laughs> somebody get Riri some pampers. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it is her decision to do so. And just like it was Kaepernick's decision to go back to the NFL. And you know, in the history of boycotts, some boycotts didn't last forever. They lasted until change occurred or they just lasted for a period of time and then things went back to normal. I don't know why Rihanna wants to perform for the Super Bowl, but I'll tell you one thing. I can't wait to watch her. <laughs> okay. And I'm toasting her decision. <laughs> yes. I'm toasting. Exactly. Because if we can't get an album, Rihanna... The least we could do right. is get performance. The least exactly. we could do. And Colin ain't the one um, <laughs> protesting either. Because on his Twitter, he said, I really appreciate at Rihanna keeping it 100. So <laughs> who's really doing all of this frustration gig against Rihanna? Rihanna can do whatever Rihanna wants to do. And <laughs> contrary to popular belief that may think she needs a handout for these pamphlets. Fenty is bringing in enough money and I just recently saw that Fenty was doing a collaboration with Puma so they are raking in enough dough that she don't have to do anything extra passive income and she is the advertising model for her own brand so she's doing it what are some of these other people doing besides flapping these gums as my grandmother would say Mm. I mean I get where people are coming from because in one breath you're like no I'm performing at the Super Bowl is like a once in a lifetime opportunity or twice if you're Beyonce but you know turning that down makes a very big statement and only three years later you're running back up to the stage so I can understand why people are like well, hold up, you at least owe us an explanation because you were real loud when you didn't want to do it when other celebrities weren't doing it either. Like Jay-Z turned them down and a couple other Black artists turned down the opportunity to perform at the Super Bowl. So you did it then, but why is it okay to do it now? And I mean, the NFL does have a lot of work to do when it comes to diversity and when it comes to how they treat minorities, 
not just players, but people who work in the league as well, but they are making steps in the right direction. Like they made a commitment to partner with HBCUs to hire more Black medical staff and medical personnel. And they're starting to be much more intentional about hiring more people of color and not just as coaches, but people in the coaching staff and in like higher league positions. So you know, they have a diversity statement that they made earlier this year, and they're, it seems like they're trying to do the right thing. So I'm not mad at Rihanna for performing selfishly. I can't wait to see it because I will definitely be tuning in, not to the game, just to the performance, because I know my team won't be there. But <laughs> overall, I'm going <laughs> to, I, <laughs> listen, <laughs> last Sunday, they got blued out. Zero to, I don't even know how many. They ain't scoring that nail points against some Patriots. Not a nail one. Nothing. And the Patriots just as bad as we are. They got blued out. Well, Miami might have a chance. It just might. They have Teddy Bridgewater. You know, he doing his thing over here. And I hope they make it. I hope they make it. But like you said, Caroline, you said Jay-Z boycotted the NFL for their halftime show and invitation, right? Well, I don't know if he necessarily boycotted the NFL, but he turned down their invitation when they invited him to perform or asked him to perform. He turned them down as well that same year. Okay, so then look at the halftime show last year. He had a really big role in getting 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige, and that whole entourage to perform for the halftime show last year. I think he played a role in that. Mm-hmm. So even though he didn't perform, he still worked with the NFL and the halftime show, even though he said that he didn't want to perform and he boycotted when they invited him. So did he get the same backlash as Rihanna? Well, I think, I think that, yeah. Go ahead, Nalita. I was just going to say, I think that it was for that year for what they were trying to do, which was put Black people on a stand to try to push their certain agenda for that time and they weren't trying to stand with the NFL. I don't know as far as him getting backlash, Caroline might shed a little bit more. So Jay-Z, that same year when they were in Atlanta, they were like really struggling to find somebody to perform for the Super Bowl. I don't know if y'all remember when Jay-Z and Rock Nation decided to partner with the NFL to help with some social justice initiatives and adding more diversity to the halftime show performances. So that's probably why he was such a heavy influence in the hip hop performance we saw last year. But like he caught heat for that too. And it just goes back to you know, what we were talking about with the dancers, like at some point you have to either be willing to do the work or be quiet about it. And Jay-Z was trying to do the work by using his influence and his money to partner with the NFL and help them with their social justice efforts. Has it worked? I don't think so, because I still think that when Colin Kaepernick was trying to try out For other teams, I still think that what they did to him was intentional. Like, especially when he was here in Atlanta, he was going to practice at the Falcons Mm -hmm. training facility, which is up here by me. And then, you know, coaches were getting ready. He was getting ready. His camp of people were getting ready to come all the way up here. It's like an hour and a half from the airport. But then they changed the location at the last minute to somewhere in the city, which meant that people who were on a tight deadline, coaches who were on a tight deadline, you know, couldn't go back into the city for a second location. And it felt very intentional 
to just conspire against him getting back in the league. So that's just my conspiracy theory. Others might say it was just a coincidence or a scheduling conflict or whatever, but we can all agree that the NFL has a lot of work to do on their image, on their diversity, and the stance that they take on other social justice issues. Mm-hmm. All that being and said, and how they I'm, treat their yeah, and how they treat their players, and how um, they that's a know, whole nother conversation. Yes, that yeah. is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, they out here getting banged up, getting concussions, and getting cleared to get back into the game when it, it's just ridiculous. And mm-hmm. someone said to me a long time ago, and it didn't make sense to me then, but it makes a lot of sense now that the NFL is nothing but a one big slave hoarder. And that's a whole nother conversation, but I can see why they said that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because when you think about the players and the people who entertain us on that football field, putting their bodies on mm-hmm. the line, risk, literally risking their lives, they're predominantly black. But when you see people mm-hmm. in the head office, you look at these coaching staffs, you look at, you know, the league's commissioner and the people on like sea levels and mm-hmm. owners of these teams, they don't look like us. They're flower they color really people. Mm-hmm. So it does play into like this, you know, like million dollar slave perception. There's a book about that. I can't remember who wrote it. I think his name is William Roden, but he wrote a book about being a $40 million slave as an athlete and what that means. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I can toast Rihanna. I'm still gonna watch the halftime show though. I'm not going to toast her until she gives us an album. How about that? (laughs) I'll just give her a side eye. (laughs) And I'm going to watch. Maybe she knows she's been out of the spotlight for a long time. And maybe this is just a precursor. We're about to take them books away. Girl, take them books away. (laughs) A prequel. prequel. Well, anyway, it's something for all of us to look forward to. Maybe she has an album on the way. And this is just, you know, her way of getting us ready for it. Speaking of albums on the way, y'all, I think Beyonce is working on a part two to renaissance because she's going on tour next year but i saw that she has like registered the names of like 12 new songs and i'm just saying renaissance 2 might be on the way if rihanna and beyonce go on tour in the same year i just need y'all to understand that i will sell part of my soul to get tickets to both that's all I'm saying. Speaking Look, of finna go to hell real fast. Real fast, <laughs> super fast, super fast for these tickets. Okay. Speaking of, never mind. We might have the next Kevin Samuels among us in the form of Marlon Wayans. Yes. Marlon Wayans of the Wayans brothers. He shared some relationship advice for our beloved Queen Nia Long that literally no one asked for. So y'all know last week we talked about Ime Yudoka's alleged cheating scandal on Nia Long. Well, Marlon Wayans is the latest celebrity to weigh in on Yudoka's suspension. He was suspended for the entire season for cheating on his longtime partner, Nia Long, with a team staffer. Wayans discussed the drama during a recent appearance on the Leah Lemonade's podcast hosted by Leah Henry. He said that Nia Long should ignore the public embarrassment that Udoka has caused if she's happy in the relationship before the news broke out and made headlines. 
He said that if a woman has a dope dude who makes her happy and meshes well into her life, then she shouldn't toss the relationship away over that man's infidelity. He went on to say that if a man is 90% of everything that you need and he's only missing 10% and you throw that man away, that's your fault, he said. In order to find a forever love, you're going to have to live in a way that bends and doesn't break. That's your best friend, the comedian continued. I use the term comedian lightly, but anyway, I would say to Nia Long, if Udoka is all of those things, never mind the embarrassment, never mind all that. I would say, I would say this to my daughter. I would say it to my sister, are you happy? Before this moment, were you happy? Right. So work on your relationship. He's a good man. He provides, he's there for you. You seem happy when y'all are together. Child. This is given poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. But is there ever a time where a woman should allow, forgive, and forget infidelity in a marriage or a long-term relationship? In other words, do we cork or toast Marlon for this unsolicited advice? Look at y'all face. <laughs> as I was reading this, and then I listened to the interview mm-hmm. as well, and I would just say it was spoken like a man who probably cheated on his wife therefore I'm corking his ass (laughs) I am corking him in that statement I'm sorry it is a no for me and I guess I am not at a level of maturity to say that I can agree with him because infidelity and abuse are two things that I will never tolerate cheating to me is more than a mistake It is the ultimate betrayal of a relationship. It is a selfish and careless act. And most cheaters don't stop cheating unless they get caught. And in his statement, he said that if you were happy with the person prior to cheating, you should basically ignore the fact that it happened and work on the relationship. I disagree with that because while all the time Nia was happy and smiling and supporting this Negro after he landed this coaching job in the first place, he was out here just frolicking with another woman. So it is not that easy just to look past that and say, oh, you cheated, but you are still a good man. When you've been out here lying to me and covering it up this whole time. And I feel like if he was never caught, he would have still been out here cheating with this woman. This would have been something that he would have kept going and going and going. So miss me with that. I'm sorry. This is something that I wouldn't be able to forgive. And another reason why I wouldn't be able to forgive is because now I just feel like at that point, the relationship would be tarnished. Like I wouldn't be able to look at you the same. I wouldn't be able to trust you. It would be very difficult for you to gain my trust again. And because I don't trust you and I don't look at you the same, it's going to be hard for me to express my love for you the same. So I don't know if that is something that's really easy to go back from. Because he said it just like, oh, forget about it and and keep it moving. If he made you happy, keep it going. It's not that easy. So I'm corking him. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) you haven't been married since 2013. And you out here giving relationship advice to somebody. Y'all been not listening to this man. (laughs) He's taking all his bucks away. I'm corking him so hard. I'm going to throw a bottle at him. But tell Sean I said, hey. Oh, 
gosh, y'all. This reminds me of this video from I am Erica Campbell's IG, where she talks about love is a fight. She said it is marriage is for mature people who understand the beautiful dance of love. The back and forth, the up and down, the good and bad. I'm so glad I'm not dancing alone and I'm not fighting alone. Me and my husband want the same thing, but I think that with that infidelity, what you and your husband want is at a crossroads. And then she goes on to say, if that's not your story, this message won't resonate with you. If you're selfish and self-centered and everything is about you, this won't make sense to you. If you find joy in that place, uh, by all means, do you, but consider love. And then she's going to have a hashtag that say, God is love. Well, I believe that people are going to fall. But just like you said, Shalana, that infidelity is such a betrayal of the honesty, the transparency, and the vulnerability of myself to you. It's already one thing when you give yourself up to someone and you're creating a safe space for yourself, your feelings, your emotions. And then when your safe space is violated, to try to do work to bring that back to feeling like your safe space, you're going to always have doubts and worries and trust issues. And just, I think we are past the age where you just be like, I'm staying with them for my kids and this and this and that. I feel like if it wasn't such a big issue, we wouldn't have seen anything in the Bible that says that infidelity is one of the reasons that God will sanction divorce. Like if that wasn't such an issue, I don't think it would be laid out in the Bible like that. So (laughs) I just can't get behind her and I can't get behind a Marlon and I'm going to cork him. (laughs) Yeah, mm-hmm. but allegedly, allegedly now, I don't know this to be 100% true, but I heard it on somebody's radio show the other day, Rick Smiley, and they were saying that she, as a Nia Long, is actually working on her marriage with Ume, and they are being counseled by a big time pastor that we all know, but they didn't release the name. I'm thinking it might be T.D. Jakes, but they're being counseled by someone and they have decided to work on their relationship and in their marriage. And in that case, you know, I can't even hate on Nia because I don't know the dynamics of the relationship. All we know is that this happened, but more power to them if that is the case, if they are working on their marriage, I really pray for them and I hope they're able to work it out. But as for me, if it ever happened to me personally, I don't know if I'll be able to, to do that. And maybe meeting with a pastor doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to work on it and stay together. Maybe it's just helping them get to the clarity they need to heal, whether it's together or separately, because I, listen, she wants to stay with him by all means, Nia, we love you for it. We love this for you. Couldn't be me, but if that's what you want to do, then, you know, us Black girls are going to support you because you can't do any wrong in our eyes. <laughs> but as for Marlon, he gets a toast and I'm going to have to give him some communion because once again, Pastor Nalita took us to church with that word right there and he's getting a cork and some communion. Now in our last story, they this sweet, precious lamb of God might need communion too. So Nalita, I hope you got a word for this baby as well. 
a hairstylist offers a client a discount in hopes of taking her out on a date. Can somebody say I got five on it? So a girl who's a hairstylist, I'm sure she's from Atlanta because it's it's screaming Atlanta. It has my city written all over it. But she posted this to her TikTok in the video she was seen doing her client's hair. And she was giving captions throughout the video that read, I charged my client half price for her hairstyle just so I can ask her on a date. The hairstyle was those faux locks, like goddess locks, individuals. And so the client asked if I knew how to do messy parts. And I said, yes, even though I don't know how to do them, but I thought it would give me a better chance of her going out with me midway through the hairstyle. I finally built up the courage to tell her that I had a crush on her for years and I've always wanted to talk to her. Little did she know I was really struggling with these messy parts. <laughs> I wanted them to be perfect so bad. And even in the video, you could see her like redoing the part and redoing a part and redoing a part, even though it's supposed to be messy. So I started to get nervous because she never responded when she, you know, asked her on a date. And then to top it off, the client laughed it off and said, girl, you're so funny. And so the hairstyles was like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> Overall, the hairstyle came out nice and the parts were, were gorgeous. I just hope she likes her hair enough to agree on going on this date with me. And then she asked TikTok, like, what do you think her answer was? So I don't think the comment section of that video went the way it was supposed to because a lot of people were telling her not to lust over a client and to keep it professional. But other people were saying that, you know, when she laughed it off, that should have been your cue right there that she was not having it. Do y'all think this was unprofessional or was she wrong for shooting her shot? Or can you not blame her? Because like homegirl was super pretty, but like, what y'all think? I don't know. Like if this was just a client, did they have no prior <laughs> relationship before I have no clue but I think that getting halfway through that hair and then asking this question was a little much and then to top it off she said she never responded but she said you so funny that was a response <laughs> I mean I see this girl's hands she black I, I have to question did she grow up around people saying you so funny because she should know that that is a response in and of itself and that's like a, a no I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> you so funny <laughs> no I don't want to go out with you and at this point like did she want her other 90 dollars back the girl's hair looked fire I mean she did an awesome job and it took a couple hours so I guess her shooting her shot was worth that other 90 that that she put in was not recognized. But I can't say it's unprofessional, but, and I'm a toaster. She freaking shot her shot. And you know, being a woman, how hard that is. I just don't think that if they had no prior other relationship, she probably should have shot it. I think that was ratchet, but I'm a toaster just cause she shot the shot. And we be so hesitant sometimes, but um, don't do it while you're working on people. And even if they your client, like do it afterwards <laughs> when you finish with their hair or something, you can look them in their face. Don't cork at her seven ways to Sunday. 
this is raggedy. First of all, as a hairstylist, you shouldn't have gave her that discount until she said yes to take you on that date. Because you're going to need that extra $90 to take her out somewhere. It ain't cheap going out anymore. Two drinks and a dinner and an appetizer and a dessert. It's going to run you about $150. So you should have charged her full price because if she said, yeah, now you halfway short and you're going to need some date money. And you done ran out of all your hummingbird bucks because you done gave this girl a discount. You ain't got <laughs> enough to spend. So no, she gets a cork from me. This was unprofessional. It was a little ratchet. And uh-uh, I don't like it. Like, how uncomfortable would I be if I'm getting my hair retwisted because your girl got locks now? But, like, how <laughs> uncomfortable would it be if the loctician, like, retwisted my hair? It's like, girl, you know I've been feeling you for a minute. I've been seeing you come in this shop every other week to get your hair done. And I want to mm -hmm. take you out, girl. Let me show you a good time and run my fingers through your scalp what no and, and, and you just lost the client one that do your husband not anymore okay mm -mm. i was gonna say that it's, mm -hmm. that's a bit much <laughs> no but like no that is so uncomfortable like at this point like just finish my hair so i can get out mm -mm. Mm -hmm. cork Listen, I'm corking the hell out of her. She had me right up until the part when she told the customer that she had a crush on her when she reached the middle section of her hair. That means she still had the whole crown section of her hair to finish. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if she made that girl uncomfortable? Now she has to sit up there for another hour, another mm -hmm. hour to processing what she just said. Uh-uh. She could have potentially put her customer in a very awkward situation you know she should have waited until she had one more plat left to say what she had to say or waited till after she finished and called her later because that yeah um, and you've already you waited imagine? a few years yeah one more day wasn't gonna hurt you baby right. a few years right. 16 more plats wasn't gonna hurt you because she could have waited till she courage to do it you saying she should have waited to the end when her courage was at its peak instead of jumping like, no when she was done with her hair because she still had a long ways to I go know. and the crown take the most so, time yeah exactly. and her hair was exactly. big right like, <laughs> i just mm -mm, i don't like that and you gotta sit up there and think about that while she trying to grip your edges because no. <laughs> at this point because now i know you like me right now yeah. you're in my head i would have felt obligated to say yes at that point you didn't gave me a discount but she did hair. yeah I know now you in my no hair yes. don't be messing up my little messy parts but now you ask say me no out. i don't know she said she just say at the end mm -hmm. like what do you think she said but she told us, you know, she didn't respond. But then she said, she said, you so funny and laughed it off. That's your answer. That's your response. She ain't going to say black, nothing else. That is black code for <laughs> hell no. <laughs> mm -mm. If you've ever caught feelings and told to do, knowing all y'all do is hunch, you know, I could really see this going somewhere. <laughs> you so funny and that's, that's a no that, that is a no <laughs> that tells you everything you need to hear baby wrap that head up and let her go on by her business 
She got two hundred and three point nine thousand other followers. She could shoot her shot some more with somebody, somebody else. else. It's giving desperate, <laughs> poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. Mm-hmm. Don't take it away, her hummingbird bucks. Oh gosh! <laughs> but talking to Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. send that hairstyle to hell super fast <laughs> we have reached the sidebar segment of the show i like to refer to this part of the show as the meat and potatoes because we are going to provide you with words of wisdom and inspiration to live by celebrity news gossip and pop culture is fun to discuss and it can be quite entertaining and intriguing but we all need positive words and encouragement to help us get through this thing we call life this sidebar segment is inspired by making intentional friendships and relationships an intentional friendship is one that is based on mutual respect and a shared commitment to each other's growth and well-being intentional friendships are not for convenience or one that is simply built on similar interests. Instead, an intentional friendship requires both parties to be purposeful in their interactions and to put in the effort required to nurture and maintain the relationship. This can be challenging at times, but the rewards of being intentional in friendships are well worth the effort. When we have close friends who truly care about us and who we can rely on for support, our lives are enriched in immeasurable ways. Intentionality in friendships means no matter how far away you live or how different your schedules are, you can make time for each other. So we are gonna talk about intentional friendships and relationships and what they mean to us and how important they are. So the first question is, how do you foster intentional friendships? I think for me, it's really about listening more than you're talking and really challenging your friend or your partner to be the best version of themselves, not your version of them, but their version of them. So what does that look like? Asking the why behind things, asking them how they feel about certain things, not just oh, well, you know, what are you doing right now? You know, I'm thinking about going back to school. Why? Why is this important to you, right? How can I support you? You know, things like that, just making sure that you show up for that person, even when it's not easy. But in addition to that, just also respecting their boundaries, I think is really important in having intentional friendships and relationships. For example, me and my best friend, Kim, whenever we need to have a really heavy or emotional conversation, we always ask each other if you have the space to discuss this right now, or do you have the emotional capacity to talk to me about X? And I respect her if she says yes, or if she says, no, I don't, let me get back to you when I'm a little bit better. And that's fine. And I think that being able to respect each other's boundaries that way helps nurture a very healthy friendship for the both of us. But then it also just comes down to the small details of friendship. Like if she has a doctor's appointment a couple hours after the appointment, I'm gonna ask her how it went. I'm gonna ask, what is your doctor's? And not just how did it go? What did your doctor say? What are you supposed to do? When are you following up? What medicines are you taking? Right? Because the things that are happening in her life are very important to me. And that's how I feel about all of my friendships and relationships. And I think it's just about 
doing the work and, you know, making them, I don't want to say priority, but treating the friendship as a valuable piece of china that is in your house that you cannot break, drop, fumble, or anything. It's, it's delicate. And I think that having an intentional friendship or an intentional relationship, you have to hold that china and just protect it at all costs. I like that. I think that much of the same, like I know that I am not good about reaching out. Even when I, I made up in my mind that whenever I feel or think about someone, I was going to text them just to like follow up because I, I actually feel like those are like God nudgings. And sometimes people are going through things and they don't always just reach out to tell you right at that moment or they're not able to find the words to say what they're going through but actually feeling the support of one who loves you and even without having to reach out when you see that text come through it's just like oh they text me at the right time at the right moment when I needed this push when I needed you know just a reset and a, a reawakening. I'm so glad that my friend or my family member or whoever it is did this. And I don't know what prompted them to do it, but that was just what I needed at that moment. And I always want to be there for my friends because I know there's a lot of lifelong friendships that I have. Well, I can't say a lot, but I have some lifelong friendships that just mean so much to me. And the thing that lets me know is a lifelong friendship is we don't have to talk every day. We don't talk every week, every month, but those couple of times that we may meet up over throughout the year, you would think that we've been talking because we just pick up right there. And then we have these long, out long conversations where we just catch up on each other's lives and wow, I didn't know that, you know, but I don't want it to really you know be that way of course it is good to have someone that you can pick up like you never been apart but when you do that you miss those big moments that they may have needed you and vice versa so I do love Caroline's approach every time I think about or when someone comes to me with a problem because recently one of my guy friends called and he was just talking about this different stuff that was going on in his life and although I was able, you know, I felt able to help him through his debacle, I also was like, do I have the mental space? Like once I got on the phone, I felt so heavy. Like, gosh, was, was my mental enough to help carry this burden that he had? But then I also have to remember, it's not my burden to carry. Like that is his problem. I can talk him through different steps or give him some good advice, but more of us should check in with each other and be transparent about, you know, not just stopping the conversation because you can't carry that burden at that time, but just being a friend that is able to listen when someone says, hey, can I just do this or can I call and vent? And that's today, one friend texted me and was like, is it a good time where I can call and vent? So that was her check-in, not really just about my mental, but at the same time, was that a safe time for her to call? You don't, you'll never know what people are going through. And you really have to be intentional. It's people, it's sometimes kind of morbid to think of, but we're definitely getting older. 
and more and more of our friends, family members are leaving this earth every day. And one thing that you kind of realize is that in the moments after you have taken for granted that time that you were going to be always able to talk to that person or whatever, life is so fleeting. <laughs> And not to, to make anyone feel like, oh, I need to just do this, do that. But every moment that you're able to spend and impart or chance, you do not want to have that regret of not being an intentional friend and be wondering. Because there is such a peace at the end when you know that you have done all you could and you have been that friend or that family member or whatever that you, you may grieve, but your grief is not the same <laughs> as other people who, who have some regrets about where they stood or what went on or whatever. So definitely, definitely be intentional about maintaining the relationship without it being any benefit to you. Yeah, I share the same sentiment as both of you, one of the things that I have been trying to do more and fostering my friendships to make them more intentional is by checking in because I get so consumed with my life and what I'm doing. And it's kind of like, if they don't reach out to me and I don't hear from them, then I'm assuming that everything is okay. And I'm just moving about life. And I feel like that's how you create that type of distance between you and your friendships. But I'm trying to be more intentional with just sending out text messages just to say, hi, how are you? I'm thinking of you today. Remembering birthdays, because that's something that I just don't do, but I have made it my business to put birthdays in my calendar. Or, or if I see something on Facebook, if I see it on my calendar, I'm reaching out, I'm saying happy birthday just to let you know I'm thinking about you. I have friends who live far away from me for my 39th year of life, I would really like to travel more and go see about my friends and just be that type of intentional friend. And because I am striving to be an intentional friend, I am being more intentional about who I am calling friend because I can't give that type of energy to just anybody. So those are things that I am doing because I think friendship is important. Anybody who says they don't need friends, they don't need people in their lives, I just don't know how they can do it because my friendships have gotten me through a lot of hard times, a lot of stressful times. Like I leaned on a lot of my friendships and I like to take care of them. So, yep. So that's what I do to foster my intentional friendships. Okay. So are there any barriers to making intentional friendships? And then if you do have any barriers, how do you overcome these barriers? So people, like a lot of people in my circle or in my friends groups, they call me the Olivia Pope of my friends because I'm like the fixer or the go-to person. Like even in our family group chat, everybody's coming to me with questions. I'm like, I don't have the answers, Sway. I don't have the answers. But, <laughs> you know, I've kind of taken on this role and I, it, it might be just from like, I don't want to call it childhood trauma because it wasn't traumatic, but like just how I was raised to be like a fixer of things. And a lot of times I'm so quick to jump in and want to help or want to fix something. Even earlier in the show, when I was talking about like literally putting on a superhero cape and trying to fix Florida, 
<laughs> for my family. Like that's just, I'm the fixer. And a lot of times I don't allow other people to be that for me. So when I reach out to you and be like, how are you? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm like, no, how are you really? Like, how's your mental health? How's your physical health? How's work? How's your family? How are your relationships? And we talk about things like that. But when they ask me, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. No, I'm really fine. And knowing deep down inside, like everything around me is falling apart. Everything around me is on fire. And I'm just like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. So one of the things that is hard for me to do about maintaining an intentional friendship is letting other people be there for me when they want to reciprocate, you know, me being there for them. And that's really difficult for me to ask for help. It's difficult for me to show any signs of I need support from other people. It, it kind of makes me feel weak sometimes. And I'm still trying to get over this, like being the strong person or being the strong friend. I don't want to be that, but sometimes I'm just so programmed and conditioned to be that for other people that I don't allow room for them to be that for me. And that's raggedy. That's real raggedy. Y'all need to take my bucks away. My, my hummingbird bucks, take them away for how I be acting. <laughs> I understand like I really truly on a deep level understand that because I'm the same way and I read something earlier that was talking about how children who sometimes are on a high emotional level we are parentified or something because we be like oh she's so wise beyond her years or whatever and a lot of times you feel like when you look back upon your childhood you felt like you had to be this type of person or that type of person. You fit in this category because you were so mature that you may not have enjoyed your childhood the way that I'm trying to make sure that my daughter enjoys her childhood. Now, I'm not having to think about nothing, not worried about, oh, I'm going to get out of here when I turn 18 and this and this and that. But realizing that sometimes you being that emotionally mature when you're younger leads to you just feeling like you're so much of an empath. But what I was talking about earlier when it was saying, not just that you're an empath, but that you're hyper vigilant, not just to your friend's feelings, but their emotional tone, the way that they respond to this or that, or just reading people's tones and trying to figure out how to react based upon what face they're showing you or whatever. I have found myself a lot of times doing that. And that's not emotionally healthy trying to be what everyone else needs, but also, you know, on the back burner, not making sure that people have that safe space to be that for you, or you have that safe space to be not fixed. <laughs> I hate that, but you know, that whatever your needs, wherever they're lacking, that you have what you need in this space. And I guess to say a barrier for me is just slowing down and, and being vulnerable to my friends sometimes and letting them know that 
I don't be posting all my stuff about what happens at this time and this time and this time on social media. So when people don't see all these different sides of you, like what's expected, then they feel like you just got all your crap together and that could be furthest from the truth. So just being vulnerable and when they're going through something, letting them know there is no shame in the game. Like don't feel like you can't come to me or that you do feel more comfortable, I guess, coming when you don't have something together because that's not who I am. (laughs) And we just have to stop putting on that persona that we're so big and strong to the point where we don't accept the help that others would freely offer to us if given the chance so I guess that's a barrier and then just being so mentally drained I'd be so exhausted like when I get time to myself I just (laughs) hate trying to feel like I'm sacrificing that time trying to reach out to somebody else but that's selfish that is a selfish characteristic so I will do better (laughs) about taking a little bit of extra time and making the most of each day whenever my people's names or whatever oh man wonder what they're doing to just send them a message and just let them know that I'm thinking about them and not let time be that barrier because like I said earlier whenever it's the end of that person's world or the end of yours I don't want to have any regrets about oh I thought about them the other day and I never reached out to find out you know that this was going on oh they were so private And we supposed to be the best of friends, but I didn't realize that they were going through this issue. And that's just what you can uncover when you are in that person's circle. Don't let tragedy have to strike before before you decide not to take your friendships and family relationships for granted. Yeah, I definitely feel all of that. I think my biggest barrier is time I think it's probably a barrier that we all have is you know because we're busy women busy career oriented women (laughs) and lately my issue has been time I'm I'm so busy doing so much for people on my job and extracurricular activities and doing stuff for family members that I get a little overwhelmed with being superwoman so when I do have that time to myself, I become introverted. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to reach out to anybody. If people call me, I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like responding to text messages. It's because I have a lot of information overload and I just need time to myself to regroup. But the problem is, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that we should have our time to regroup where we can block out everything and everyone but the problem with me is that it goes on too long (laughs) it's like you know it goes on for a while but I think I have to get to a place where I'm able to balance it where I'm making time so where I'm reaching out to my friends where I'm remembering big things it is something that I am working on I'm working on letting things go a lot of the things that I'm doing that may not be necessary to kind of create room for that so that I can be or have intentional friendships. So those are the things that I could say if I had to have a barrier, my biggest one would be my time and how I use it. So I'm going to drop a a little piece of free advice, some free game, if y'all will. I use 
the reminders app on my <clears throat> iPhone <clears throat> to help me keep track of, you know, different important things that are happening for people. I kind of jump between that and my the calendar built into my phone. For example, like one of my friends, her daughter went to the doctor and had like a whole bunch of tests run. And after the appointment, she said, we'll get the results back in two weeks. Great. Put a reminder in my phone, check on the kid's appointment in two weeks. So like, I don't remember all of these things because if y'all know me, y'all know I can't remember nothing. But as I think about important things that are happening to people around me, I just make like a reminder in my phone to check up on them. It doesn't mean that it's not important. It just means that I know I'm forgetful, <laughs> but it's still important for me to check on them about this. So, you know, when somebody's birthday comes around, put in their contact as soon as you think about it. You know, when you need to check on something for a friend, just put a reminder in your phone and set an alert to remind you to follow up on it. And I challenge all three of us to just pick two people every week to reach out to and check on. It doesn't have to be a whole drawn out conversation. It could be just a quick text. Hey girl, you were on my mind. I hope everything is well. Let me know how you're doing. And it, you know, you don't have to go through your whole phone in one day and check on everybody at once. And you don't have to like wait until someone crosses your mind necessarily, but just pick two people on Sunday when you're relaxing and chilling, just pick two mm -hmm. people and find a day to reach out to them during the week and start to be consistent with that. And it will help you stay in touch with more people and be intentional, which is the word of the day with those relationships. You know what, but I also think that it, it takes personality wise, because some people may not be as thoughtful, you know, they may be that friend that will be a person who just listens and lends a listening ear, but they may not be the person that will say, oh, they told me this, but so let me reach out to them. But that doesn't make them less of a friend because they don't, they're not as thoughtful, but going mm -hmm. back to intentional friendships, to me, I feel like being able to be that detailed is it being intentional as well. But for those who might be listening, because I kind of fall into that category sometimes too. Like I am that person that will talk to you all day about your problems. But at the same time, I'm also that person that may not think to reach back out and circle back to you to talk to you about this unless you reach out to me. But I don't think that makes me less of a friend. That's just kind mm -hmm. of my personality type. So I just think that when we are fostering like intentional friendships, we just have to remember to be able to do those things and speak love languages. That's another thing too, that's very important because people think that the love language only applies to romantic relationships, but it also applies to friendships as well. So you have to know what love language your friends speak and be intentional about speaking those different languages you know what makes them happy as a person because it may not be remembering the small things it might mm -hmm. be giving them a gift or coming by to mow their lawn I don't know some an act of service <laughs> or something so I think that that too is also intentional friendships yeah I think it's up to you to to define what that intention looks like I don't mm -hmm. think it's clear-cut for anybody and this I don't want this to get misinterpreted but I'm not that intentional with all of my friendships like some people mm -hmm. are just like a good brunch buddy 
once or twice mm-hmm. a month and like that's what it is like we're just we just go out to brunch have fun and like that's it but there are just a select few who I am really really intentional about and that's what works for me but like you said it's really understanding like what works for the dynamic of your friendship like somebody else could like mm-hmm. could care less about <laughs> you know checking in on mm-hmm. things like that it might not yeah. be important to them <laughs> and that's fine but I will say this if my friends have a love language of personal touch I ain't touching you don't be looking at me for that. <laughs> I'm not touching you. <laughs> That's why it's important to know. I will send you Each a link other. to the road. Yeah. hugs. I will, I'll give you a church hug. Don't be touching on me. I will send you a link to a rose. You touch yourself all you want. Right. I'm touching you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, So the last question, which I think is an interesting one, have you ever had to end a friendship because you needed to protect your peace and sanity because you were being intentional about your peace and your sanity? I ain't got that many friends to begin with, but yes. (laughs) Yes, there was one and this was actually kind of recent. It became where she was needing a lot of me And it's not that she was just too needy. I didn't feel like she was a person that I could get that same support from, right? For example, we view things very differently in the world when it comes to politics or religion. But even when there were times where I was going through something like at work where I might've been stressed out or just needed like advice on something, maybe like a business project I was working on, she wasn't someone like I couldn't trust her advice to be in my best interest. And it wasn't that I thought it was malicious or I just, I just didn't think that she gave good advice. And that that's not helpful for me when I do have the strength to reach out and ask for help. She's not someone I would necessarily go to, but I was that for her. And I just didn't have the capacity to do that anymore because it started to become a thing of, I have to give you the same advice over and over for you to do the opposite. I'm like, this This isn't going to work. <laughs> this is not going to work. I'm not feeding any of your love languages. You're not feeding any of mine. I don't want to be intentional about this friendship anymore. And I, I just had to cut it off because it was no longer benefiting me. And I know that sounds selfish a little bit, but it just, it had no value for me. And, you know, I hate that the friendship had to come to an end, but I wish her the day that she deserves. And that's all I got. That's true. I cannot really think of ending a friendship just because I just didn't have so many anyway to, to really begin with. So all of my friendships are pretty intentional. If I'm calling you a friend, it really means that I'm going to be working intentionally. And over the years, I have had to really reevaluate like the use of that word and then if I'm going to like you just said continue the friendship but I have not cut off any relationship in my adult life yet I don't know if I have cut off certain relationships, but I would distance myself. I had this one friendship where 
it was a long time ago where this person would always call we were friends and they will always call with drama like it was always i'm going through this and da, 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 and he did this and you know it was just always something it was never a call to say hey how you doing you know just catch up no girl time nothing it was just i'm calling because i have an issue and at first the person who i am like i told you before i am a listener i just always give my listening ear always give my shoulder to cry on and like caroline said always give advice only for them to turn around and, and do the same thing and not the opposite or take the advice and it got to a point where i felt like the relationship was one-sided because i was always the one giving the encouragement the inspiration the advice but i felt like i couldn't get that from myself from this person so ultimately i didn't end the relationship i didn't say hey you know we can't i can't do this anymore like i didn't quote unquote break up with her <laughs> but i just kind of distant myself like when she would call with her drama i'd be like no not today i need my peace and i wouldn't answer the phone when text messages started coming through i wouldn't respond back to the text message i would only get back to her when i felt like talking so it kind of went on like that for a while. And then of course the relationship kind of died out. So it, I don't know if I, well, maybe I silently ended the relationship, but, <laughs> but that's kind of how it went because I had gotten to a point where like you, Carolina, the relationship was not feeding me spiritually. It was draining me. And I just needed to protect my peace and keep my sanity. At that time I was in college undergrad at that and I really didn't have the mental space or the mental capacity to keep up with her and her drama I really did and at first I felt guilty about it because I knew my role as her friend was someone who should be there to listen and be there for her when she's going through problems but at the same time I had to put myself first I had to make my mental health a priority. And I was in school. I had to make that a priority as well, too. So I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> and I don't know. I hope things have gotten better for her. You know, we're Facebook friends and we'll forever be that way. But, you know, to go back to have a close friendship like that again, I don't know if I would ever be able to do that. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the intentional friendship being two-sided because mm -hmm. if I'm being very intentional and in putting my energy into nurturing this relationship or this friendship, then I expect you to be intentional with me as well in a way that benefits both of us. And it sounds like between your old friend and mine, it was intentional for us and not for them. It just didn't serve us. And I think that it sounds like that's why it just didn't work out because I can be very intentional and we go hard for our friends. Like we go real hard mm -hmm. and it's not even the fact that she was going through a lot and she was just a hot mess of a friend. Cause y'all know I've been a hot mess from time to time too, but it's the mm -hmm. fact that she was not a person that I could confide in or that I could trust with giving me advice or putting my best interest at heart or being intentional with me. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
when we think about it, when we talk on the show about being intentional with friendships and what we do, we also have to make sure that the other person is just as intentional with us too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is true. It has to be two-sided. And just like me, I feel like a lot of us as women, we think that our role in friendship is to always be a listener, to always be a giver. But at some point, if it's just you doing that, the friendship is not serving its purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to walk away from that. It is okay to walk away from a friendship if you feel like your peace and your sanity is being compromised. It is okay to walk away from that because for me, it took a long time because I felt bad about it. I felt like if I stopped talking to her, if I stopped listening to her, it would make me a bad person. It would mm-hmm. make me a bad friend because she didn't do anything to me physically or she didn't say anything out the way to me to make me not want to be her friend. But it's just the dynamics of this friendship just was not for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to be at peace with that, you know, because in my heart, I want to be a good friend. I want to be a listener. I want to be someone who can be there to give advice. But at some point, you just got to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. You do. And I think that we need to stop the stigma that when people don't physically harm us, then they're not emotionally or financially or whatever it is that they're taking from us with no reciprocity, that they're not harming Mm -hmm. us when they are, in fact, doing Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So I think we can go on and on and on about this topic. Mm -hmm. Because friendship is a really big part of our lives. And before you find your true friends, it's a trial and error. It it definitely is. You meet some that you will be close friends with forever. You make close friends and then you lose those friends. Like it's, it's trial and error. And I really think that sometimes relationships are also seasonal. So like I said, we can go on and on and on about this this conversation maybe we can make a part two of it on the eavesdrop (laughs) Mm -hmm. who knows but tonight has been an awesome episode and we would like to thank everyone for listening all the way to the end and we hope that you will join us next week for more hot topics for more icebreakers more sidebars more cork and toast next week same time same place on close the curtain peace Thank you for joining us this week on Close the Curtain Podcast with Nalita, Shalana, and Caroline. I hope you enjoyed this brief respite and that something we said inspired or motivated you to close the curtain on whatever is not for the season in which you find yourself in. If you're enjoying Close the Curtain, please rate the show, share it, These things allow more women access to the same wonderful content that you enjoy. If you have questions, comments, or you want to suggest show topics, leave a message for us on our email, hello at closethecurtain.com. Again, that's hello at closethecurtain.com. You can also stay connected with Close the Curtain Podcast on Instagram at our handle, at Close the Curtain Podcast. Our website is 
CloseTheCurtain.com. And our podcast can be enjoyed on the following platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor with more to come. This has been an awesome show. Don't forget to meet us next time at the intersection of pop culture and wellness. Bye.